Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here, and I hope and I pray that you come back. And if you are a return listener, I really, truly appreciate you, and I'm so happy to have you here again. Today, we're going to be talking about separation and divorce. More importantly, how this could actually lead to happiness. We're going to talk about signs and actions that take place in a marriage that could be showing you that you're heading towards divorce or separation. Um, We're also going to talk about how our response to stress brings out our true character or our default personality. We're going to talk about the importance of taking personal responsibility, how to overcome fear, and the importance of forgiveness. So get ready for another amazing episode. Hello, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. My name is Carrie Vasquez, and I'm a relationship coach and strategist. But most importantly, I am a Jesus lover. I'm a wife, a mom to five children, and a grandmom. Each week, I'll be here with a guest or a message to help you love yourself deeper, fall in love again, and restore your relationships with God and others. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I'm so excited today to bring to you Elizabeth Parsons. Elizabeth is a separation coach, and her business is the Separation Club. And this is very unique and different for me um, because I personally, I never heard of a separation coach. So I was really excited when we connected and when we started talking because I believe that you are going to offer so much to um, my listeners and to the audience today by giving your message and sharing what you've been through and how you have overcome so much and how you now you're serving a community of women that um, are going through what you've been through. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Thank you, Carrie. I am excited to be here. When we talked, um, I guess about a week or two ago, yeah. um, we really hit it off. And I think we we really are trying to help women in a similar way. And um, yeah, it was through my own, you know, my own experience that this passion to help women came. And yeah, I'm thrilled to be here to talk to your audience today. Yeah, thank you. So let's just dive right in. I um, I love how you have taken now not just the fact that you're a separation coach, but you have remarried. You went through a divorce. Um, tell us a little bit. How long have you been married, and how many kids you have? Let's learn a little bit about you. Well, um, I guess the story kind of started when I got married the first time. So I was very young. Um, and uh, yeah, there were a lot of lessons learned there. But 19 years um, mm-hmm. of marriage with my first husband and uh, four children, four boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all young adults now. Um, and uh, we divorced about 12 years ago or separated 12 years ago and got divorced after that. And uh, yes, I have now met another man. And well, now I met him quite a few years ago as well and remarried. And I even have three stepchildren. So it's a big family That's and it's awesome. a lot of fun. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing. that's awesome. I love I, I love big families. And, you know, I have five kids of my own, so I totally get it. Some adults, some little ones. So you have four boys and three stepchildren now. Yeah. You've been married now for how long? So we've been married for seven years. Seven years. Um, awesome. We were together for about, I'm going to say four. Mm-hmm. 
no, that doesn't sound right with the math, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we were together a few years before that, but we have been married for seven years of that, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So there is hope after divorce. There, there is- really is, you know, but I there's a lot of work that needs to be done before, mm-hmm. um, but it has been a very new and different experience. This marriage, yes, it's a different man, but it is a different relationship for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so take us back to, so take us back for, for a little bit about with your first marriage how what happened what broke down you know it's interesting um one of my boys so my children were a little bit older when we got divorced my oldest was 18 mm-hmm. and uh so they they were much more aware of what was happening though this came as a shock to them because we were not fighters mm-hmm. like my ex and I uh it was a quiet polite roommate situation as opposed to fighting or anything mm-hmm. so it was a shock to the children so I got married I met him when I was very young I was 22 so I was a child I mean most of my, well, all my children are now actually older than I was when I got married, which wow. is shocking to mm-hmm. me. Um, so I learned a lot. Uh, but as my oldest son, who was 18 when we divorced, he asked me once, you know, like, do you wish you'd never married dad? And of course not. I have four beautiful boys as a result of that marriage. And we had lots of good years too. But I chose wrong, I guess. You know, it was always a struggle for us. Um, I was madly in love when I got married and I know he was with me as well, but it was always work for us. And, uh, and it made it, so that made it hard at times. Um, so those things that contributed to a breakdown in our marriage, probably throughout those years, or perhaps the prevented us from developing really good communication and things like that. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of things, yeah. but ultimately there were a couple of affairs as well. So mm-hmm. the first one we overcame mm-hmm. and eight years later, uh, he had another one. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. that sort of triggered the end for us. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, after 19 years, so my Mm -hmm. kids, all four boys were in their teens, my youngest two, well, they weren't quite teenagers. They were 12, um, they're twins. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, that was the end of that. And it unfortunately spiraled down into a fairly nasty and unpleasant experience for all of us. Mm -hmm. As I mean, all divorces are unpleasant and I don't really like to walk around and go, mine was more hostile than yours. Cause I don't Mm -hmm. think there is. We all have our individual experiences, right. but it was a challenging one for sure for all of us. Right. Were you, are you able to pinpoint or have you been able to pinpoint when the marriage, when things started to break down, fall apart? You know, can you say like, oh, year one, I could see this. I saw the signs or um, or was it just that first affair that you said? No. So <laughs> I'd love to say that's when it all started falling apart. But mm-hmm. no, Um I was not equipped, honestly, at the age of, well, I was 23 when I married him to understand the red or see the red flags and to even know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, When I look back, the red flags or the issues in our marriage started, they actually started right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it was, like I said, we had, we worked hard and this was a struggle and it wasn't always easy and it wasn't Mm -hmm. always fun in more ways than maybe for other couples who really have a number of really good, easy years. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not. So I, I, the thing that really put the nail in the coffin for us was the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, couldn't handle that. Mm-hmm. It was too many kids, uh, too little attention for him, too little focus on him when he came home. I was obviously very tired and busy mm-hmm. and kind of wanted to hand off children when he walked in the door. Mm-hmm. He had long and stressful days. He actually then started choosing not to come home until they were in bed, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I would say that when the twins were born, it really signaled um, it was really the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was also right before his first affair. 
Okay. And that but was... So the problem started before. It wasn't the affair that did it. Right. It was, sure. Yeah. It started before that. Now, when you say that the relationship was hard and it wasn't, like, you felt like it didn't come easy to, to love each other or to be married, what made it hard? Like, what was happening? Well, so the thing that I really noticed, uh, I had, a, my sister happened to be in the marriage that was awesome. Mm -hmm. And anyone could tell. You could see their love, their respect for each other, their partnership. Mm -hmm. And it was specifically the lack of feeling like I had a partner. Mm -hmm. That was, that was what was difficult for me anyway. I can't really speak for what he didn't like about the marriage or what he found difficult. Um, but I will speak for myself. We were not partners. And I actually think he would agree on that. Sure. The reasons for it, we might disagree on, but right. he would agree on the, the outcome. Right. Um, I never felt like I had a partner. Mm -hmm. It was always this sort of tug of war, who was going to do what and whose agenda was going to win and mm -hmm. not a good scenario at all. Um, mm -hmm. And probably one, you know, I'm not going to say it's all his fault at all, perpetuated very much by that I had my vision of how to do it. And I didn't know how to change that dynamic that we had. I just didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not even sure that I understood that it could be changed. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So, so the twins are born and I'm sure you, you probably can, I can relate to this where, um, my husband and I now before our separation, we can pinpoint when our marriage started to go downhill. And that was when our daughter was born. She was born, you know, at 25 weeks. So there was a lot of stress on our marriage. I was, it was three months of every day in the hospital with her cause she was in the hospital for three months. So I hate to use that as the marker because it's, you know, then it, you can almost, um, the child might feel like, oh, I'm the reason, right? It, every time you kind of mention this, you talk about I was the reason or that's when the problem started. Do your twins ever feel, um, you know, kind of like it's their fault? Do they do they struggle with that? Well, no, I'm going to say no because I've never told them. Okay. That that's when it happened. Mm -hmm. um, I've really, really tried from the very beginning of our divorce to keep the secrets of our marriage from them. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I've been successful. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, the only really bad thing that they know about or what happened between us is they did eventually find out about the affair. Mm -hmm. And even that wasn't my objective in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I've really kept the secrets, so to speak, the bad mm -hmm. things away from them. I don't because I don't want them to in any way feel that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if they were to, for example, listen to this and go, wow, was it because of us, mom? It's like, no, it wasn't. I really think when stress happens, and I learned this very much as a result of, of our divorce, when you're under stressful situations like what you went through with your yes. baby, I mean, that is terribly stressful. Mm -hmm. We default to our strongest characteristic. Right. And if our strongest characteristic is anger, like if whatever that place we go mm -hmm. when we're uncomfortable or fearful mm -hmm. or any of those things mm -hmm. then some, some some part of us is going to win the day and if that part of us is not a nice side or is is you know is angry or hostile or whatever mm -hmm. that's that's what caused the problem so the yes. the twins maybe triggered this behavior sure. for him it was to run away and eventually seek comfort with someone else right um that wasn't their fault exactly Exactly. It was just that that's yeah. his default when he was under stress. Right, right. And I and I think that that's the, the key and the big part, right, to point out with, with any kids. Because I think not just, even if you don't ever use that as like the mile marker, let's say, or, the, or pinpoint it as that, the kids are never the reason why 
parents' divorce. They're never the reason. Uh, The reason is always there before the children even arrive. And I think that, um, you know, that is key. But, you know, we can see, like you said, I love how you said, and we, we, you said this in our conversation a week ago uh, when we spoke, how your, it's almost like your true colors come out in times of difficulty or in a challenging time or like your, your default, like you said, your default uh, personality or character comes out in that tough time. So, you know, do you, what do you go to fight or flight? You know, um, do you stand there and do you fight in a good way? Do you fight in a bad way? Do you fight clean or dirty type of thing? Do Very you true. go and hide? You know, do you do you fly away as fast as possible? And do you go flight into someone else's arms, right? When it comes mm-hmm. to a relationship. So so it's so so true. Um and I saw that I shared how I saw that in my first mar- in my first marriage when we started going through our separation and divorce, it got really ugly. And uh and when I went through a separation in my now marriage, it was, um, I don't want to say it brought out the best in both of us, but it really took us both to a place of reflection and like, what do I need to do to change this and make this better? So I think that's yeah. huge. Yeah. That is such an important thing to, to do that. And that's something I did do after my, my marriage, when my marriage started, well, when my marriage broke down. So the affair happened, right? Mm-hmm. And again, just like you said, you can't put pinpoint on the kids. I, I cannot pinpoint the failure of our marriage to the affair. Mm-hmm. The, obviously, things were failing exactly. already. Right. But but it was, yes, I needed to sit back and go, like, why are we not able to make this work? Like, yes. And what role do I have? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and not that I'm blaming myself. And that is so important to not feel like you're being blamed. It was mm-hmm. not my fault that he had an affair. I carry no responsibility there. Yes. Um, but I carry responsibility for anything else that I did. Right. And, and I think that that's really actually empowering as opposed to, it's not intended to make you feel bad about yourself. On the right. contrary, it's like, I actually can control my life here. And responsibility yes. is a huge thing that I, that I teach in my course. Like yeah. taking responsibility for your life and your actions and your choices when things fall apart. Yes. Yeah. Is, I, yes. is something we all have to do. Exactly. And that's that's huge. I think it I think in so many situations, I, I wanna say every situation, but so many it starts with us. If mm-hmm. we would just start with ourselves and say, Okay, what do I contribute in this relationship? How have I contributed the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is? Yeah. Um, what needs to stay the same, what needs to change? I think when we start with us. And then we move on. I think it is important for us to then move on to the next level of, okay, what's going on with them? You know, what hurt or pain are they going through? What can I identify or what can I pinpoint in their life? And is it something that they can change, are willing to change, want to change or not, right? Because then if the answer is they they don't want to change or they don't even see it, so what are the chances of it happening, then that's when we kind of go back to the question of, is this even something that can work, right? Or do we have to move on? Yes, it's so true. And I, and it's, you know, it's okay. Um, Some, a friend of mine who's a psychotherapist, actually, she said something so powerful to me once. Um, She said, you have to love him, or have to is the wrong word, but love him for who he is Mm -hmm. and love his limitations, And then through loving yourself unconditionally, give yourself permission to say either 
I'm okay with his limitations and I will stay mm. or I'm okay with his limitations, but I'm not going to stay. Yes. And that yes. we have the right to say that it's, yes. he is who he is. And I am done being mad at him years ago. Yeah. Good. Um, I also realized I had to forgive myself mm-hmm. for, for putting up with, as I saw it, right. Mm-hmm. The behaviors and the things that had happened in our marriage and all the red flags that I had ignored um, I needed to take responsibility for that and I had to forgive myself for putting up with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really empowering experience if you can grow and learn from something really bad mm-hmm. as opposed to just sitting back and kind of going, wow, I must be, something must be wrong with me. Why is this happening? Yes. Yes. It, yeah. And, and I think that that will take you so much further when you sit back and you learn from a situation that you can say, wow, what did I, you know, again, what did I do wrong? What did he do wrong? What needs to change and be different the next time around? And because there could be a next time if we choose to have that, right? And as both of us have chosen. And um, and learning from that situation versus like wallowing in self pity or anger and frustration, unforgiveness, um, mm-hmm. because those are all things that really I, I always just say it's like a slow death. It's like dying a slow death when you live in this place of unforgiveness and anger yeah. and frustration over something that's happened. So moving on. I love on. that term unforgiveness. I yeah. love that. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's such a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, um, again, some a coach I listened to a long time ago explained like the lack of forgiving or unforgiveness mm-hmm. to me in the, in a way that I thought was, and I'm not going to be able to say this as well as she said mm-hmm. it, but basically sitting in and hating on someone else and not forgiving them and being resentful in your head, mm-hmm. you know, as, as time passes, Oh, he had an affair. He did this to me. All I'm doing instead of, I am not ruining his day. I am just ruining my own yes. day. I'm dripping poison into my veins every yes. single day, thinking about it yes. while he's going on with his life. Yes. I need to get on with my life. Mm-hmm. I need to just put it behind me. And to me, that's what forgiveness to me, yes. forgiveness is saying I'm done hurting over this. This yes. is not, not part of my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And moving forward as opposed to blaming and blaming yourself, like mm-hmm. that doesn't help either. Mm-hmm. Just accepting that it happened and going, okay, that happened. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> when did you, when did you realize or learn that you had truly forgiven and moved on? You know, it's interesting. Like I said, things were pretty hostile and nasty between us. And I knew that at some point, uh, because of his personality, that he would blame me uh, for the breakdown of this marriage. Because on some level, he fully believed that he could have this affair again. And I, it would not be the end of us. And um, he was pretty devastated that this family was breaking up. I'm not going to say it was devastated over losing me, because obviously his love for me had waned. But, you know, losing this family. So... One of our uh, interactions, he was at the house. I remember it was just the two of us there. And he actually said to me, he goes, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, doing what? And he goes, you're breaking up this family. I'm like, well, you're the one that had the affair. Blame, right? (laughs) And he said, he goes, the affair is irrelevant. Mm. You're the one that chose to break up the family. Wow. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I have decided that I don't want to put up with your affairs anymore. And I decided to break up this family. And I said, I'm fine with it. And it was at that moment I realized I actually didn't care anymore that he'd had there. The affair was not what was hurting me anymore. Um, I'm not even sure I could even say at that point that the affair is the reason our marriage broke up. I was just done. Mm-hmm. And I realized at that point I actually had forgiven him. He mm-hmm. had, it didn't, it was like I'm, I was just done. And mm-hmm. 
don't know if that makes sense, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, it makes absolute sense, yeah. So do you think that you reached a point that you loved yourself more or enough or on a different level to say, I don't want to put up with this or this is not love for me, so I need to move on? Yeah, the question I answered to myself is, did I ever believe this marriage would ever give me what I needed? Um, and I didn't. And then the next question is, am I willing to live like that? And the answer was no. And that is an act of self-love. Well, that was really powerful for you to be able to even take the blame off of him. And I don't want to say put the blame on yourself, but take on the responsibility to say, you're right. I am breaking up this marriage because or this family because I will not tolerate that. I'm not going to I choose not to put up with this anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but the thing is, it's actually empowering. Like, sure. I think, it, you know, to some, I talk to a lot of women now, you know, because of what I'm doing, and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of desire for revenge, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I have been there. <laughs> there have been some thoughts that have gone through my mind that yes. haven't always been pure, but, um, and for that, I will admit. But, you know, at some point, you got to stop doing that because yes. you're only, like I said earlier, dripping poison into your own veins. Yes. And it was, to be able to step back and go, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do this. This is not about you anymore. This is about me and my choices. It's actually very empowering. And that's the process I want to take women on through the separation club is to get to that point where they don't leave their faith, their happiness, their joy in his hands or her hands or their ex-partner's hands, whoever that mm-hmm. is, anymore that they take their own responsibility for it. And when you take responsibility for your own happiness, yeah, you can have it all. Yeah. How do you, how does someone, and you know, I've been in that place before also, like, you know, like you said, like where you have, you've wanted revenge or you've wanted just the other person to feel what you feel and understand, right? Like, no, you weren't perfect. No, you did mess up. No, you did contribute to this separation, to this divorce. No, you do take, because sadly, and this was my situation, um, as it sounds like it was yours, in my first marriage where my ex-husband, well, you know, it was just this feeling of you ruined the family. You, like, now you messed up, right? And it didn't matter what they did, right? It was just the focus and the spotlight was on me. The focus and the spotlight was on you, right? And I, I remember one day driving, and this is after our um, after we divorced and I had remarried. I remember one day driving, and this is the day I realized I still haven't forgiven him. He said, oh, he told me I was the worst mom. He said, you know, or I was a terrible mom. And it, like, it triggered me, but he did a, said a lot of things that would trigger me. And I just flipped. I lost it, right? And I realized how much control he still had over me. And I made a decision that day that I would never allow myself to react the way I reacted, right? Because I was completely out of character and I was so angry, but that I needed to really, truly let go and move on. So tell us a little bit about more like about the steps that you would say kind of need to take place for you to be able to not keep pointing the finger or putting the blame. How do you move on from someone who feels like they're right, they didn't do anything, they were just trying to, or maybe they did, but now they're not the one causing the divorce, you are. 
What would you say to that well, person? When, when I first found out about the affair, I mean, my first words to him when I found out mm-hmm. was, um, well, I said some choice words. I'm not going to say on the podcast. <laughs> and then <laughs> I basically said to him, I said, I will take 50% of responsibility to everything that happened in our marriage up until you unzipped your pants. And then it becomes 100% on you. Mm. So there was a moment of blame. Like mm-hmm. I shoved it all on him. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, my thing was now I have to get over the fair before I can even consider putting our marriage back together. Mm-hmm. But I, how did I take that away or, or stop feeling like that? I just... I spent a lot of time reflecting, um, mm-hmm. a lot of time thinking. I basically stopped sleeping, not on purpose. It just mm-hmm. was a product of the stress I was under. And I would lie there and just think about, I, I never again do I want to go through this. This was mm-hmm. not my second time. Never, ever again am I going through anything like this. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do to learn to, so this doesn't happen again. Not that it was my fault that it happened, but I needed to understand how I could make a better choice in the future or how I could see maybe, I don't know, red flags before these things happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I, what I thought I needed to know, but I needed to take control Mm -hmm. away from him. This emotional control, I Mm -hmm. should say that that he was continuously hurting me because my first thought every morning for four months, and I know it was four months was, is he with her? What does she look like? What is she doing? And why does she get to win? Mm -hmm. It was just so unfair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am not spending the rest of my life thinking about her first mm-hmm. thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I just I just had to find ways to just make that go away. And I used, I, I back then there wasn't like hashtag gratitude or any of those <laughs> things because Instagram didn't even exist and right. whatever. Um, so, but I actually invent, invented, but for myself, a gratitude practice and a self-care practice. And those were the things that gave me back control. Um, mm-hmm. Going out and working out, made me feel in control of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a choice I made. My health was in my control. My, mm-hmm. my role as a mother was things that I could control. So I focused on the things that I could do and that I could do well. Mm-hmm. And I really did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And that just made the other stuff seem less important and less yes. um, invasive or so into that's my life. Awesome. Does that make sense? Uh, a total sense. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, and I and I love that because I think sometimes we get so focused on the problem and so focused on the past that mm-hmm. we forget we still have the present, we still have our children, we still have like a future. And um and I think that's just true um in in so many situations, even you know, even with struggling, if you struggle with anxiety, depression, all these things, like your perspective when you change that. Um and as we hear now, you know, gratitude, like you said, is huge. Um yeah. and when you can sit back and just be grateful for um everything, you know, like the roof over your head, the you know, the walls that surround you, the the clothes yeah. on your back. <laughs> It's so true. And I think sometimes what we deny to ourselves is how bad the marriage probably was for a long time. I I find a lot of, a lot of people can be in denial about that. Mm. Um, And so they focus only on this one event that happened that ended the marriage. But the things that started happening in my life was like, this tension of this constant struggle between us was Mm. gone. Mm. Um, I'd never really had a partner in him. So when it came to parenting and running the house after he was gone, it was easy. I didn't have this Mm. pull of someone else who wasn't on the same page as me. Like all these other things became so much easier. Yeah. I was still hurt and I was, you know, it took time to heal Mm -hmm. for sure. But I, 
I just was able to realize that my life is not over. It could be so much better. I can be free and happy. And, Mm -hmm. and all those things started to happen for me. Mm -hmm. I actually almost had to hide my happiness for a while because my boys were crying. They were upset, of course. And, and, but I was so happy. Yeah. (laughs) It was relief. That was honestly what I was feeling was this intense relief of getting a very huge stress out of my life. Yes. That's what forgiveness did for me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now how did your boys, because do you think that your boys benefited from you hiding things from them or do you think that it hurt them more? Um, so it was very important to me to not fall into this category of any kind of parental alienation or any kind of hostility. I really believe they needed him as much as they needed me. Sure. It honestly has only hurt, it has hurt my relationship a little bit with them now, later in life, because their father has painted a very different story of what happened between us, and Mm. I have no story. Mm. Because I've never made it something I talked about. I was focused on them and their happiness, and then the only story they now have in their head is the story that's been given by their father. Mm. So they have some anger towards me for -hmm. for what happened to them, this split, Mm -hmm. Um, but... I've decided to not let that bother me too much. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it what I the way that I thought was best, and I, I stand by that. Mm-hmm. I stand by that. I gave a lot of thought to all my decisions when I was parenting them through that. Mm-hmm. For moms of young children, there comes a point in time when the kids are old enough that they, they get it. Like, they totally, they get it, right? And they I think they see the reality of what really happened. But it's hard when you're in that moment of you don't want to put the kids in the middle, right? It is It is hard. And like I said, I stand by my choices not to do that. And I mm-hmm. think it was the right thing to do. I, I also, there's a part of me, and, and you mentioned moms, and I think on some level, um, so what happened just without going into it, because this could honestly be an entire other episode, <laughs> but um, there, there were, there was a period of time over about four years where my children hardly saw him and that was by their choice. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they are so happy to have him back in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they need their father as well. Yes. And what they need is their father's love. They yes. felt rejected for a number of years mm-hmm. and now they feel loved by him and they need that. And I think they're pushing me away a little bit so they can kind of enjoy that and yes. be loyal to that because he carries so much animosity towards me. There's this loyalty issue. Yes. And I mean, I have still have a good relationship with all my boys. It's not like mm-hmm. I don't, but it's just, there's this little edge sometimes involved. Yes. But I think they also know that just no matter what, they'll never lose me. Yes. They yes. know I love them. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, they just, they don't know what to do with all those feelings. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's going to feel the bad side, it's going to be me right now because they know they're not going to lose me. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. When I think about it like that, I'm like, okay, if that's what I need to be for them right now, then that's what I'll be for them right now. And I'm not saying I'm throwing myself under like some martyr position or something. It's just, it's my role as their mom and it's my role as someone supporting them through something their dad and I chose to do. Yeah. Do you think they would have been, it would have been better if, you know, I hear sometimes or too many times, save the marriage for the children. The, the kids deserve to have a family and you shouldn't break up the family for the kids. And what are your thoughts on that? 
I, so I strongly disagree with all of that. I think if the marriage is miserable, uh, you need to go. And I'll tell you exactly why. So some of my boys as well, uh, during the first years, like I said, they were older. So my oldest was um, 18. The next one was 15, 16 when it was happening. So the two of them, uh, like I said, we weren't fighters. But what they observed in the next couple of years, which they would share with me, was things like one of them said, Mom, like, you laugh so much more than you ever used to. Mm-hmm. You never really used to laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought, wow, that's sad. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really say, I didn't say anything really. I'm like, oh, well, I'm I'm happy, sweetheart. I'm all good, which I wanted them to know as well. Mm-hmm. But I actually was. I just was much lighter of heart, so to yes. speak. And I, but I, but that really gave me pause to think about that they they could tell that difference. So mm-hmm. things like that, um, and also. My, my other son, my, my number two, he observed when I started dating again and when I started spending a lot of time with my now husband and started introducing him to the children, he made the observation, he goes, um, is, he, is he good to you, mom? I said, yeah, he is. Does he love you? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I, I believe he really does. He goes, good, because I can see that you love him, but he seems to make you happy, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And then he followed up with, now, if he ever hurts you, I'll kill him. But <laughs> <laughs> this is from my 16-year-old, right? Yes. But I know he was just being there for his mom. Yes. But I thought, he also said to me, he goes, like, this is again now much later. We moved in together, and he's living, you know, my son is living with us. And he said, one day when I get married, I want a relationship like you have with Glenn. Mm -hmm. And he didn't say not like the other one, but he just made a point of saying that's the kind of relationship I want. So so to to answer, that was a really long reply. No, that's okay. But the thing is, you need to model a good marriage to your children. And if your marriage isn't good, you're modeling a bad one. And your children are going to put up with and tolerate whatever you put up with and tolerate. Exactly. And what you model to them. I love that. So that's what you want to think about. Are you really happy if you're not are you teaching your children that it's okay to not be happy yes 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 and I I love that I love that I love the the whole answer because I agree with you I think um I heard many times like make it work make it work you can't break Mm -hmm. up this marriage you can't break up this family and I think that there's definitely um, a process that you should go through. I think, sadly, um, especially now in this time and age, marriages have become very disposable or very like, oh, let's just, we're done. So I don't believe that it should be like a one day to the next, I'm just not happy and this marriage is over because we change like sometimes, you know, as we get older, we're changing. It doesn't mean that because we've changed that our marriage should end, right? I think there is a lot to be said for, you know, growing together and you can have different interests and you can still love each other and still stay married forever. Um, But I think that when you've gone through a process of trying to work things out and therapy and you're really trying to like figure this thing out and you realize after you're married that you're married to a different person or you don't really know the person that because they're just not really the same or something different is is very different um, and you're struggling with that. I think when you go through a process of trying to work through things and you've been unhappy for a long time, I think, like you said, you're modeling unhealthy relationship, unhealthy an unhealthy relationship and behaviors and your children are learning that. Yeah. And you're just they are, con- they're, they're watching everything you do. Yes, you're just building a cycle and generations 
of unhappy marriages Mm -hmm. and unhealthy marriages and relationships. So I I completely agree with you. Um, And I think it makes me almost sick to my stomach when people say, you know, save, you know, save the marriage for the children. No. How about we save our children from, you know, unhealthy and toxic relationships? Well, saving a marriage for the children doesn't work any better than saving a marriage by having children. Yes. By the way. Oh, like, yes. Yes. <laughs> again, a whole other podcast episode yes, right there. But, so true. But it, it's, yeah, we have to, these things stand alone. Mm-hmm. We're parents, mm-hmm. but we're also like men and women. Yes. And and that's one thing I've said to my boys because now they're in their 20s and I will say to them on their wedding day, one of them is actually already married. And it's like your marriage comes first. Yes. The biggest thing you can do for your kids is to make your marriage work. And yes. making your marriage work happens away from your children. Yeah. Like yeah. miss stuff. Yeah. So the two of you can find your romance and yes. be together. Like it's just, yeah. you have to. Well, my first, I, my first marriage, I had my four kids. And my kids now say to me, and they love their dad, you know, they, and their relationships have been up and down. Um, my, so, but they have said to me, we could not imagine you and dad together. Like, Mm -hmm. and they say, we don't even know how you did it for 10 years. Like, how did you stay married for 10 years to him? So they get, I believe they get older and they start to realize the why and they understand uh, and I've also had some of that where some of the kids almost like they don't say certain things to dad because they want to maintain that relationship and they know he'll be hurt, but they'll definitely say a lot more to me. And, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but at, in my second marriage, when we got separated, my one daughter and she barely, she would barely talk to me. She didn't just she was very quiet. Our relationship was not very strong. She was only like eight or nine at the time and um, maybe a little older. But I remember her coming to me probably a week after we were living in the new house. And she said, thank you. And I was kind of shocked because, like I said, we, she didn't talk very much. And our relationship, she was very different from my other girls. But she said, thank you for being brave and for leaving. I don't know if I could ever do that, but thank you for doing that. Like, I love our new home. Because our home was under so much stress. Yeah. And it was so much. And I was the same way. We weren't, like, fighters and arguing and, you know, publicly or or, um, disagreeing. Um, A lot of we tried to keep a lot away from the kids and we didn't argue in front of them, things like that. Um, but they can feel the tension. Oh, for sure they can. Yeah. They could feel the tension. They could feel the, the, you know, they, they just knew we were unhappy. There wasn't a lot of laughing. There wasn't a lot of, you know, even when we would go on family trips or little vacations here and there, there was all this tension. Um, so being in a new home, they just felt the relaxed atmosphere, um, and these are all things that we both learned. Like my husband learned, like I have to let go of a lot of stuff and I'm trying to control every situation. I learned a lot of things that I was doing wrong. We were able to come back into the relationship and now have a much stronger marriage. And they struggled with us getting back together because it was like, oh no, the fear of like, are we going back? You know? Um, but I think we reassured them that, no, it wasn't going back. Not that we were going to be perfect, right? Um, but I think they see a big difference now, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. No, and, and I mean, on, kudos to you guys for figuring that out, for learning yeah. how to grow and how to yeah. find a way back to each other. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, but, but it's, you know, and, and we are so much, I mean, we're more in love today, but it, it's, it's just, it's not every, it's not for everyone, right? It's not for every marriage. Some work, some don't. And it's like, how do you just figure out how to move forward from there? And it's, you know, it's interesting because I certainly have women contact me through the separation club and ask me, um, because I do focus on women early in separation. That's kind of my, you know, who I'd like mm-hmm. to speak to. And and so I, I do also end up talking to women who are still making the decision. Mm-hmm. And it's such a horrible, horrible time when you're sitting there trying to decide. And there's so many things pulling at you, what you should do, what you want to do, what you wish you could do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these things pulling on you. So much history usually behind a decision like that. Um, I just think it's so important to really spend time, like you said earlier as well. Mm-hmm. This is not something you rush into. You spend time. You don't you don't split up on the whim. And even like the day I found out about an affair again, mm-hmm. I didn't just yell at him and walk out the door, or kick mm-hmm. him out. It actually took four months before that conversation happened, where mm-hmm. I said, "You're out. I'm done." Yeah. But um, I needed to I needed to make sure, like mm-hmm. really sure. Mm-hmm. And that's it was during that time that all this work happened. Mm-hmm with myself and growing, which is the work that I want to do with, with my ladies, um, because to help them get to a place where they're good with their decision, it might not be the one that they'd hoped for, but they're still, they're good with it. Yes. Yes. Do you have like steps that you kind of take in terms of how to decide whether to go or stay? Well, that's not, no, I, because I don't honestly want to get involved in helping people decide. Good. It's more about helping them Hmm. How do I rephrase that? So I don't want to be the one saying, well, maybe you should leave or maybe you should stay. I would rather empower them to make that decision themselves. So equip them with the tools that they need to find it. And and I'm, so the thing that I discovered through my whole journey Mm -hmm. was my voice, which Mm -hmm. had been completely silenced. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was 22 when I met him, 23 when I got married, 24 when I had my first son, right? Mm -hmm. By 30, I had four kids and who knows who they are in their 20s. I certainly didn't. <laughs> right. And then I had no time to figure that out. I didn't even know that I didn't know. Yes. You know what I mean? It's one yes. of those things you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Um, so finding my voice was a huge part of it. And once I found my voice, it was like, wow, okay, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to listen to that. And I yeah. learned to listen to myself. And yeah. Yeah, sometimes that happened at three in the morning, I will say. But yeah. yes, that was, that was huge. So that's what I would, you know, for a woman who is asking me, what should I do? Well, you need to tap into what feels right for you. You need to find that little part of you, that voice, whatever you want to call it, your inner self, your intuition, your your power, whatever you want to call that, Mm -hmm. you need to find it in you, get Mm -hmm. tap into it. It'll tell you what to do. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. So many times I think, and you probably see this with clients that they come and they have a lot of questions, but they have a lot of answers to those questions too. And it's just, yeah. And it's just a matter of like speaking, like you said, using their voice to say, I think this is what I should do. And really sitting with that, like, how does that feel? What do you think? You know, is that best for you? Like, what is that going to work? Like, and I love one, uh, this was years ago when I was in human resources. I remember someone in a meeting saying, just make the decision, right? Mm-hmm. Like if little kids aren't dying because of the decision you made, okay, make the decision, right? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, change it, make another decision, 
you know, figure out what will work because there are times that we can make a decision as I did with my separation and we were separated. It was probably too long. We were separated for a year and a half, but we were separated and we made a decision. And then I said, oh, you know what? Let's try this again. And we did. And it worked, you know, and 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 we're still tweaking and we still make changes. So I think sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's we know the answer. We know what we need to do. It's the fear that keeps us right from just making the decision and moving yeah. forward and taking action in that yeah. decision. And I think the, the fear, I mean, that's something I talk a lot about is the fear there's so many fears when you get separated, mm-hmm. uh, fear of being alone, fear of finances, fear of hurting your kids, all yes. these things that I, you know, women talk to me about all the time. Um, but again, it's the more you, the more you take charge of the decision, the less fear you'll feel, the mm-hmm. more you arm yourself with help and therapists and support network and whatever mm-hmm. you need that can help you through that stuff as well. And that's where I really try to help my women. It's like, okay, what do you need? What do you need to be able to make this decision? Yes. What would make this decision easy for you? Mm-hmm. And what is it, you know, what is it that you really want to do? Yeah. And it, like you said, it's sometimes it's them sim- simply talking about it yes. helps them make the decision. So I had a very, very close girlfriend at the time. She literally would call me about two or three times a day to check in on me. Yeah. And I would call her if I suddenly had to make a decision about something. Mm-hmm. And literally... I would talk and talk. She would just listen silently. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the conversation, like eight out of 10 times, she'd go, I think you've already decided. I'm like, yeah, I think I have. <laughs> just hearing myself talk yes. actually allowed me yes. to tap into this part of me that was mm-hmm. like, okay, wait a second. Like, yeah, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really like, again, what I'm trying to help women do is like tapping into that part of them. Yes. It, we have a very strong intuition as women. We yes. have a really good center that will tell us what we should do. A guiding mm-hmm. light that will help yes. us next. You can call it anything, yes. faith, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's there for all of us. Yes. We just have to learn how to use it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have found too sometimes I've told, I tell my clients or friends, family, I'm like, write it down write it out like just the way you spoke it like you speak it out sometimes just writing it out seeing the words on a page and writing out your thoughts and your feelings really starts to make you like realize like wait a minute oh wow this this makes sense I think another thing too is that sometimes I think we um we feel like oh are we making a big deal out of nothing is this really as serious as I'm making it um maybe they're not as bad as we think And I think we start to second guess and question Mm -hmm. our decisions, right? But I think when we, like I said, when we talk it out and we bounce the ideas or thoughts off of someone or we put it on paper and we start to realize, hey, you know what? It's black and white. I'm really not happy. Or this really isn't working, you know? Or maybe the problems aren't that big and Mm -hmm. we can work through these things, you know? Do you think there's one fear that women tend to have that's like the maybe like a theme that you see, like are their biggest fears losing their children or finances? So finances is a big one. And I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an, that's an initial fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once everything gets settled and resolved uh, through the legal system, whatever, then that fear goes away because you, you find out what your financial situation is. And this might not be as great as it was before, but but at least you have an understanding of what it is. I think in the beginning, there's just intense fear of the unknown, what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I think that what the fear that stays is the fear of being alone, mm. the fear of living out their life by themselves. Mm. And I don't want to be one of these people who goes, oh, you know, being alone is okay. It, that depends on the person. And we were actually created not to be alone. That's right. not how we were made. Right. However, there are definitely steps we need to take and should take before we decide to be with someone else. So the yeah. fear of being alone is a tough one because I find just everybody feels that men and women, mm-hmm. they feel this fear of being alone. They want to be back in a couple again right away. And then they make bad choices. Yes. Yeah. They don't think it through. And mm-hmm. this happens on both sides. Yes. And now... They're in another situation, maybe with another sad breakup two years later or a year later, hurt feelings again that haven't really healed from the first one, and it can become such a bad cycle. So the fear of being alone, if there was one that I would want to address the most, it would be that one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) It really helps them be patient with themselves and actually learn to, yeah, love to be alone first. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because then they will not settle. Yes. Yes, I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. I jumped right into my second marriage and Mm -hmm. realized during my separation that I never took a time out for myself. I mm-hmm. never took time to really figure myself out. And I was 19 when I married the first time. So, baby. I, yeah, I so <laughs> totally, completely with you on that and learned so much about myself when I was, you know, in my in, going into my 40s. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, why did I, you know, wait so long to learn all this stuff? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, um, I agree with you on that. So, what would you say are your core values? You had mentioned, um, in our conversation, actually, I was reading about how you have core values that you think are, you know, very important in like making choices. What are those for you? For me, um, mm-hmm. integrity and honesty mm-hmm. uh, is is probably my biggest core value. And I am yeah. known as a very honest and direct person. If you mm-hmm. don't want to know what I think, don't ask <laughs> me because I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's. I, I didn't realize how important it was, I guess, until I had been lied to for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't thought about it. And yeah. once I really recognized how important integrity is to me, not just in other people, but in myself mm-hmm. to live a life of integrity. So yes. when you when we talked earlier about, you know, what did I tell my children about our marriage? And, and I, my choice was to not tell them. And that's what felt good mm-hmm. and right for my core values is to not burden them with our problems mm-hmm. and the bad stuff that happened between us mm-hmm. to rather let them live a life where they love us both, no matter what. Right. Yeah. Um, that was my choice and that tapped into my value system. And I, so I think it's an important exercise to go through. Mm-hmm. Now there's so many online resources too, where you can go through to, to find out more about your own core values. And I think mm-hmm. that can be a really important step towards um, learning more about yourself yeah. and even making a decision. Because if you discover that, for example, integrity is one of your like biggest, biggest values and somebody has been lying to you for a year, mm-hmm. it's really hard to overcome. Yes. I learned to trust them again once before. Yes. I knew I couldn't do it again. Yes. I just couldn't do it again. Yes. Yes. That's huge. That's huge. I love that. And but, I, and I believe like core values really go hand in hand with just like your foundation of of love like what does Mm. that foundation look like um I talk a lot about that because I think it's important in relationship in general it's important in rebuilding a relationship to just have that solid foundation which really involves a lot of your core values and I think you know if if you 
you need to be very clear on what your core values are. Communicate that to your partner, mm-hmm. whoever that is, the new yeah. one, old one, whatever, um, so that they understand that there are some lines you can cross and we're going to still be okay. But there are other lines you're going to cross and we're not going to be okay. You're yes. messing with my, like, you're messing with me now, seriously. Yes. Yes. So it's, I think it's important to even share, like, to let your partner know, yes. like, there, this line you can't cross it. It won't yes. go well. <laughs> yes. I, and I love that because I talk about that as a, like your healthy boundaries. You mm-hmm. have to have exactly. healthy boundaries in your relationship. I, I don't believe in expectations. I think expectations really lead to disappointment. But yeah. I love to describe that if you want to, say, replace expectations with healthy boundaries. What are those? This is what I believe in. Like you said, these are my core values. These are my non-negotiables, Right. Because they mess with me. They mess with my spirit. They mess with how I'm feeling. And then it becomes um, the boundaries have been crossed, right? So then I don't feel safe. I don't feel loved. I don't feel protected, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that. What would you say are four foundational uh, actions or acts or or needs that we have in order to have a, um, a strong love life, a strong relationship? Four foundational things. Well, I think we need to be very clear on who we are, which we've talked a little bit about. And, and mm-hmm. um, I know it sounds corny, but you need to know, you need to find yourself and know who you are. Find your voice yes. and really get in touch with your voice. I think that is extremely important. Um, in order to get into a new relationship in a healthy way, you need to also try to remove the fear of getting hurt again. And mm-hmm. I think so we need to have a bit of a love for life and a zest for life yes. and an openness about us, an yes. open heart, you know, and the ability to trust again. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, yes. I think a huge foundation as well. Yes. And and I'm probably not giving these in the right order of how they actually happen in your life. But, um, and what we've talked about before is forgiveness. Yes. And I think that's something that we need to practice almost every day. Yes. Um, forgiving ourselves for little mistakes we make, you know, as a business owner even, or as a mother, my God, mm-hmm. mother guilt is like mm-hmm. one of the most powerful emotions on yes. the face of this earth. Yes. So if you can learn to forgive yourself for the little mistakes that you make all the time with your children and raising them, Learn to forgive yourself for other things as well. I think yes. that's really, really huge. Yeah. And I'm not sure I can come up with a fourth one, but yeah, yeah I think that was think four, that- right? Uh, being um, forgiveness, being vulnerable, right? Um, yeah. And t- trusting finding again. your finding your voice. Yes, and trusting. Again. And trusting again. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are wonderful. I love those. Mm. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. Now let's talk about what your, um, any programs, workshops, courses, um, what can, um, what can you offer our listeners, um, that are going through separation? What can you offer these women? Well, so like I said, my, the ladies that I try to help are women who are either sort of just about to make that decision and have some fears surrounding it, maybe need a little bit of support to be able to make I guess would be an emotionally and otherwise practically educated decision. Mm-hmm. So um, my my company is called The Separation Club, and you can obviously find everything at theseparationclub.com. Uh, I'm just starting actually launching a masterclass series in our Facebook group, and that's really where I'd love for all women to end up so we can support each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yes, it is just for women, and, yes, I will say that no men are ever allowed to come into this group. Mm-hmm. I screen everyone before they come in, so um, don't worry about your ex being in the group. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the masterclass will be running there for free. So I'm going to be running a masterclass on overcoming an affair. Uh, the first one I'm running actually in two weeks is going to be on how to handle holidays and, and parenting mm. and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of exciting things going on. And then I'm launching my course again. Uh, it'll open up again, I should say, in January of 2020 and start mm-hmm. running February 3rd. And that's sort of a full course taking you through self-care journey, finding yourself, healing, forgiveness, all the things that we talked about about today. Yeah, that is wonderful. I love that. I absolutely love that. I, and I look forward to, I'll put everything in the show notes, like your website, um, all that information, uh, because I, I know I just off the top of my head, unfortunately, you know, I, I know a handful of women who are going through a separation, going through a divorce, um, and they could really use all of these things. So I'm so excited that we can offer this to them, that you're, um, you're going to be able to help them and serve them in this way. So thank you so much. Oh, and and thank you for having me on here and and letting me talk to your audience. Uh, It's really been really lovely to talk to you today. Yeah, same here. Thank you. And like you said, we talked about so many things. So I would love to have you back. We talked about so many things that we could really go on and have a whole nother podcast episode on. So I think that would not be too hard. Yeah, (laughs) I look forward to that. Well, thanks again, Elizabeth and you have a great day thanks thank you thank you so much for listening to the rebuilding relationships podcast i hope that i have served you on the highest level and if i have please be sure to share this episode and give me a great rating on itunes so that i can continue to serve you and others now head on over to my website and grab your free copy of the first chapter of my book called recreate your love it's coming out soon My website is www.passion4visions.com. And while you're there, go ahead and check out more of my services. My heart is always to serve you with much love. Have an amazing week and be sure to head back next week for our next episode.